and welcome to Mash Mouth, the podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, okay, so in today's episode, they have a Greek Orthodox Easter celebration. So I figured, since Easter's coming up anyway, do you have any fun Easter stories you could tell us? I mean, I I do. Uh, We're not huge on Easter. It's not a huge holiday in our house, but... uh... Every year, uh, pretty much, we go over to my aunt's house and we have, like, Easter dinner. It's a, it's a nice, like, casual time. When we were, like, little kids, we'd go over there and a couple more of our, like, cousins would be there. We'd all have this Easter egg hunt in the backyard and the Easter eggs would have, like, money inside. And let me tell you, there was a good feeling when you got just a lot of <laughs> Easter eggs with, like, 20 bucks total inside. Oh, You're wow. like, oh, cool. That'll buy me... You know, whatever a kid wants, a Lego, whatever. <laughs> um, it was a good time, but, you know, you stop doing that when you get older, unfortunately. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, uh, my mom still puts out, like, Easter baskets on Aww. Easter with, like, candy inside, which is very nice, even though we're all kind of grown up now. But, you know, and let me tell you, those Reese's peanut butter egg guys are the best thing in the world, and I look forward to them every year. Hot take is that peanut butter eggs are the best version of the Reese's peanut I butter cups. I agree. Absolutely. You get more <laughs> bang for your buck through those. It's the perfect combination of chocolate and peanut butter. I could go off on a whole tangent on that. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't celebrate Easter. Like I honestly when I was thinking about this topic, I was trying to like pull out any type of Easter memory and I literally can't think of a single one. But I know that so that we didn't feel left out, my mom would, you know, hide Easter eggs for us and like do like Easter baskets and stuff like that. Um, It's really bad. But like the only real Easter memory I have is like the year my grandfather passed away was like on Easter. (laughs) So I I think that we like didn't celebrate after that. I don't know. It was it was a it was. Easter's just kind of a weird holiday for me, so not to bring the vibe down, but I just can't remember any good Easter memories. I'll bring the vibe up with a sad but funny story about Easter. (laughs) One time, my cat, and this was when we were like little kids. This is when my brother was like five years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, My cat went outside, and my cat's a little hunter. He was like a little panther of a a cat, (laughs) and he killed a bunny rabbit. On Easter morning. Oh my god! And my brother legitimately cried because he thought the cat killed the Easter bunny. <gasps> oh That's no! a true story. <laughs> I'm not making that up. Oh my goodness, that's terrible. <laughs> oh my god, that's actually so, so funny. I feel so bad. Oh my god. I can imagine your brother just like sobbing. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it's one of the greatest things to ever happen. And <laughs> I know that sounds horrible, but... Let me tell you, it's a funny story That's to a, tell. That is a real sitcom moment right there. <laughs> yeah, I've had a couple of those in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of sitcoms, let's get into today's episode. So in this episode, Private Charles Lamb, since the 4077 had treated a battalion of Greek soldiers, a Greek colonel sends a traditional Greek feast to celebrate the Orthodox Easter. Let's see how many times I can say Greek in one sentence. <laughs> um, the main course is lamb, which does not sit well with our animal-loving radar. So, Ethan, what did you think about this episode? Okay, so this episode is cute. I didn't really like love it. I didn't really dislike anything about it. It was pretty much straight down the middle. 
And I thought it was really cute that Radar is such an animal boy that he's like, I'm going to save this lamb, even though I'm a human vacuum and will eat literally <laughs> anything you put in front of me. The second I see those cute eyes, you're like, no, 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 I got to <laughs> save this man. And then the subplot with like Frank and everything I thought was like interesting, but it didn't really have much commentary substance to it. It was like a nice mm-hmm. counterpoint, but not a lot of forgive the pun but like meat on its bones there, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh, So I thought this was like a good episode, (laughs) but not a great one. Yeah, I like this episode too. I I have a feel a complicated relationship with this episode just because I really like it, but for no particular reason. Maybe just because I remember the ending so clearly watching it as a kid. And I feel like this was one of the ones that I don't remember being on as much or rewatching it in reruns. So watching it now, I just had a really good time watching it. I thought that the writing was, it wasn't anything spectacular, like with the commentary type of stuff. But I thought that what MASH does best, they did in this episode of like the dialogue feeling very real, very natural, as if these characters are like really talking to each other. I don't know. It it just like did something for me in this episode. I respect that. That's really cool. Uh, I love when a show can do that and you're just kind of riding on the vibes and liking the characters. Yeah. Uh, I, I do feel that. Um, maybe throughout this discussion, you'll convince me that this is a, <laughs> a top tier episode. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? But uh, let's get into the <laughs> meat of the episode. I know I made that joke and you just made that joke, but <laughs> it's just, it's right there. It's low hanging fruit. Where I had to hacks? take it. We are, we are. But I liked the continuation right off the bat of Radar just interacting with his animals. I thought that that was such a like a sweet continuation from last week's episode. Yes, that was really fun to see. I know last week you said that this little animal sanctuary he has continues but it was a very nice treat to see it kind of immediately and just how much he cares for these little guys was so cute and the fact that like he had to have this whole espionage for like all these greens that he was like sequestering (laughs) away to feed to the animals and frank was like giving him grief for it i thought it was like really cute (laughs) it was all very adorable and just everything with him and like the skunk, I think it was, was yes. really cute, but also gave me anxiety. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. I had this down in my notes that like Radar is just happily picking up this stinky skunk that could spray him at any moment. And I thought that it was so funny because I think I said this last week that they're supposed to be like baby animals, but they're for sure not baby animals. And like that's the in-text way that they're kind of justifying Radar just picking up all of these wild animals and them not like biting him, but them also still supposed to be wild. It's very funny. And uh, then later on, there's a whole scene where he's like trying to feed this skunk lettuce or something. Yeah. And like the skunk like legit starts like scratching itself in (laughs) Radar's arms. And I was like, that is that's some good stuff right there. Because I don't think that that was like animal training. I think that guy was just actually itchy. Yeah. And Radar, it was so cute when Radar was like laughing about it. I just I loved it. Any interaction with Radar and the animals. And we'll get into it later on. But Radar and the lamb. Oh, my God. That lamb was so cute. <laughs> it was. I This storyline with Radar like absolutely does make sense. 
But again, he is like a human vacuum. Like, he's eaten lamb before, but I guess it is different once you see the actual little guy and you're like, how dare they try to hurt this little man? I like to believe that this set Radar off on a path of actually being a vegetarian. Um, So maybe not during the war, but then he realizes after that, wow, I can't eat these animals. I have to be a vegetarian. Um, But I did think it was funny, too, because, I mean, this comes into play later on, but I'm pretty sure Radar, like, lived on a farm in Iowa. Like, his family has a farm. So I'm like, does he not realize that, like, the animals get slaughtered on the farm? But then I was thinking, okay, maybe it's, like, just not that kind of farm. Maybe it's, like, a dairy and egg farm. (laughs) They do say that uh, he lives on a farm in this episode that he... uh... He grew up with 16 cats, and I was like, my (laughs) God, that's so much hair. Imagine just living in that household. You'd literally never be able to move without getting covered in hair. But yeah, I mean, you know, we're all animal lovers here. If if you see a little guy and they're saying we're going to cook him up and make him delicious, that's like, no, no, thank you. That's a living creature that's a cute little man let's uh send him back to my uh folks house in iowa which is <laughs> radar's whole plan here is that i don't know if we're getting too far ahead but i love that radar's plan is to get this lamb sick leave so he can send it to tokyo and then his buddy is gonna pick him up and fly him to iowa and of course it <laughs> works because henry's so like absent-minded when signing any release form uh it's all it's a whole thing (laughs) it was so funny because henry was like onto radar almost you know he stopped him and he's like hey so like what did i just sign and radar's like oh yeah don't worry about it it's for private charles lamb and (laughs) that's how radar snuck this lamb out of camp because henry just is like oh yeah i think i remember that guy the guy with the curly hair sure (laughs) yeah i mean he does have curly hair so it all works out by the way this is a bit of a tangent but like henry's so absent-minded like why can't clinger just like secretly get the discharge form that he desperately wants if henry's just willing to sign anything you put in front of him Well, 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 so I think technically he could do that. But if you remember from past episodes, I think he needs three doctors to sign off on the discharge forms. So even if it gets past Henry, it's not getting past Frank, Hawkeye or Trapper. So foiled there, Klinger. (laughs) That is true. That is a a filled plot hole. Excuse me. (laughs) My mash knowledge just really struck that one down. But I think that we should talk about uh, what kind of like leads up to the Private Charles Lamb portion of this, because I thought it was uh, really good and like a really good setup. So first, I want to talk about how right after this scene where they with Radar and the skunk, (laughs) um, there's this Dear Dad voiceover. And I wanted to ask you what you thought about that. Oh, I really like this part. It felt very much in conversation with what we've been talking about how this show's been representing more of the uh, diversity of the Korean War by having all these different like nationalities involved. And it made me realize how much of a recurring thing that is for this season specifically, because I don't think season two and season one like really focused on that. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was one or two guys who popped up. But this season, we've had like the Ethiopian and the Turkish man. And of course, this episode like focuses on 
Greek culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I really enjoyed it. And it kind of put into focus that they are trying to depict the reality of the war, which is the UN had many people involved. It was not just an American conflict. Um, So I, I like that a lot. And it felt like it was in response to this podcast in a way, like the, the kind of conversations we've been having. Yeah, I noticed that too. Um, I think that my favorite part of this too, like just this, like it was a really quick thing where, you know, the helicopters are landing and Hawkeye comes on and he is doing this voiceover and he starts like, dear dad, you know, whatever. And I liked that it was Hawkeye kind of presenting it to his dad in this way and the audience that he was writing home to us almost you know it was it was it was really interesting and i always think like what spurs the writers to include that little aspect of hawkeye kind of writing home to his dad like we get it throughout the seasons and stuff like that but i'm just always curious and i don't know if we'll ever get an answer really but what motivated them to do that dear dad aspect of it well do you know we're going to read the book at some point in this podcast but do mm-hmm. you know offhand if the dear dad framing is in the novel at all cuz i know it's mm-hmm. not in the movie no it's not it's just um third person kind of chronicling of the mash time period or like the the mash unit basically um, I have read the book previously, but as far as I remember, it's not framed in a letter to my dad mm. home kind of aspect. That is interesting. We're going to have to, I'm sure there is an answer. There's got yeah, to be some interviews or like old DVD commentaries, if there mm-hmm, are any mm-hmm. commentaries. Um, I'm sure we can find that and or uh, someone listening who is like knowledgeable that shows production because there are a few people out there Mm -hmm. uh if you know write in let us know and we'll talk about it on the (laughs) show because we'll uh we really appreciate that but yeah i always like when they go into dear dad mode it's a it's a different kind of vibe it's always a little more serious even when he's talking about goofy things it feels like oh this is important this feels like something he wanted to inform others about when he's writing about it. And it it does reinforce our little uh, ongoing fan theory that the show is just from Hawkeye's point of view as he's writing home. So anytime that these letters pop up, I'm like, ah, good one. Good episode, (laughs) guys. And this was like it for the Dear Dad portion of it, too. It was just that one little clip, and I thought that that was so interesting to include. But after that, like you said, we get more of the Greek culture with these Greek soldiers. So basically that sets off the chain of events why this lamb is in a such a central part of the episode because this Greek colonel comes in to see Henry and says, hey, it's the Greek Orthodox Easter. And while my men are recovering, you know, I want them to be able to celebrate and recuperate with this celebration. And Henry's like, yeah sure okay he doesn't really know what to do with it he's like okay sounds good he goes happy athens i'm like dude (laughs) heck yeah (laughs) yeah he definitely is just like sure whatever you want to do and that's it and then it's funny because it turns into a headache for him almost when radar you know sends the lamb back to iowa he's like oh well that greek soldier or that greek colonel is so angry and now command is on me and stuff like this for misplacing this lamb and i'm like 
I mean, it's a lamb. Is it really that important? I don't know. It's so weird. Everything with this, like, Greek celebration. We'll talk about the actual, like, party they throw, uh, I think, towards the end. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Greek culture stuff in this, how they kind of rubbed up against it as people who are just completely unfamiliar with this culture and like trying to do their best of like yeah okay sounds fun we'll uh we'll have a good time we'll have a we'll have a meal we'll eat a lamb why not um (laughs) but stuff like frank coming in and thinking that it's like pagan and satanic i thought was really funny just how close-minded he actually was because they're literally celebrating easter yeah a christian holiday yeah. And he's like, well, there's going to be like orgies and whatnot, like on, you know, rituals and blah, blah, blah. And it's Easter. <laughs> it was just so not out of character for Frank, but just like so out of this world that he was like Easter equals orgies and Satan. I'm like, I don't I don't <laughs> like Orthodox Easter. I don't know. Like doesn't sound like I don't know orgies and satan to me it sounds like easter to me i don't know it was sounds just like a, a party i guess like in context they just needed some kind of reason for frank to be mad to go to father mulcahy's tent but you know we'll get into that in a minute but i just thought it was so funny because i'm sitting there like oh yeah frank doesn't want people to celebrate easter in a way that's unfamiliar to him yet he is having an affair and he's married so you know let's talk about adultery frank i don't think it says anything against you know, Greek people in the Bible, does it? (laughs) Frank is a hypocrite when he should be studying the Hippocratic Oath. Oh! Oh! (laughs) (laughs) I did, speaking of that, though, actually, I did think it was really funny um, and interesting that they were kind of making all of these, like, Greek references in the episode with like Hippocrates and um, Oedipus and stuff like that. It was it was very funny and very well done on the writer's part. I really liked that. Yeah, I like the little uh, the more you know education about like well medicine start in Greece. It all stemmed from these people, and it was like any time that like TV is like, hey, here's some silly information that you might not know. I'm like, ah, cool learning something while watching a sitcom that's fun (laughs) that is always one of my favorite things because i know that in the 70s of course you couldn't go and like independently verify anything that you heard but i mean you could could go to a library but yeah you could but it wasn't time for that yeah it wasn't as easy as what i like to do of being like huh i wonder if that's true and then googling it and finding stuff out on my phone So I do like those little tidbits in there. It's a good time. I like it a lot. And then the calling out of all the different Greek names like throughout the episode, I thought was like really funny. The like Mm -hmm. Plato and Pluto and Socrates and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like you said earlier that the dialogue felt very like natural for the characters in this one. This felt just like conversations these guys would be having. If this is like real setting... And, like, they were, like, Greek people on the mind. They're going to make jokes about Socrates and all this stuff. It all felt, like, pretty in line with how they tend to vibe. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. That was part of why I liked the dialogue so much in this episode. I think that we should maybe stop the discussion about the lamb for right now and go into kind of the B-plot because they all kind of, of course, as a sitcom does, 
both plots come together at the end. Um, mm-hmm. So do you want to talk about Private Chapman a little bit and the incident that poor Private Chapman had? <laughs> yes. So this was interesting. I thought the way they structured this B-plot with how it intersects with Frank being weird about Easter was really clever. But it starts with this guy. Uh, he's laid up in bed and... I believe Trapper examines him and realizes that, like, the wound he has is self-inflicted and he was trying to basically get out of the army by, like, shooting himself in the leg. Mm -hmm. And he just missed vital arteries where you'd have to lose the leg. And he's obviously very conflicted about all of this because he kind of knows that they know Mm -hmm. that he shot himself. And he's, like, thankful that he won't lose his leg, but also is like, I have to continue my army tour now. So I thought this was interesting. I don't know if it really hit that hard for me. I feel like we didn't get to know this guy very well, mm-hmm. but it was, like, a nice, different flavor kind of B-plot compared to the much lighter, much sillier lamb escape plot line (laughs) of the main story yeah i think that um to just back it up a little bit it's introduced in this scene with hawkeye coming to relieve trapper and just again to drive the point home that i liked the dialogue in this episode i thought that their interaction was really good and like you said he knew that this kid uh chapman that he like messed up by shooting himself he was like yeah i really shouldn't have done that you know he realizes that he could have lost his leg all that kind of stuff and then um because like i said in the beginning i didn't remember this episode too much like i remembered it but i didn't remember the plot lines of it too much so when hawkeye says like hey that was dumb please don't do that again and the kid's like yeah no i get that it was dumb i'm not gonna do that again he even says you're not gonna see me in here again and i was like okay what's gonna happen now? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was like, there's no way that this plot line just wraps up very nicely with a bow on it. And then, of course, we get the Frank aspect of the problem, the situation, of course, because when can Frank not insert himself into a situation that doesn't need him? Exactly. So Frank, worried about Easter orgies, wants to go to uh, (laughs) Father Mulcahy and logic complaint to mm-hmm. like the religious figure there that like they're doing religion wrong so <laughs> uh <laughs> which was funny because he was like well father okay he does have a terrible tendency to forgive people but i'm gonna try anyway uh so he goes there and father okay he's not there so he starts like writing a letter to him and this kid walks in and he thinks that Frank is a priest, which uh, may be the worst mistake you could ever make, and <laughs> confesses that he uh, he shot himself intentionally, and that sets good old Frankie off on, uh, who cares about religion anymore? I have a new quest of, of bad things <laughs> to do. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, I thought that this was interwoven really well. Like, the Greek plot line... Um, the Easter plot line and Frank kind of setting off this issue for this kid. And I liked how it, it resolved itself pretty quickly, which is why I definitely understand why you're not too hot about this plot line, because I don't necessarily think it was like trying to be 
hard hitting. It was just needing to fill some space. And I'm kind of I'm glad that they used this to fill space. But it resolves really quickly because Frank says to Hawkeye and Trapper, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to throw the book at this kid for shooting himself and he's going to be in trouble and all this kind of stuff. And then Hawkeye and Trapper just very easily say, oh, yeah, you're going to get in trouble for impersonating a priest, which I didn't look into to see if that was like real. But I take the show for its word um, because I do think that like you can't impersonate a clergy person because there's like confidentiality issues there. Yeah. So that was really funny. And I just like always how Hawkeye and Trapper just easily foil Frank's plan when he's trying to do a Frank thing. <laughs> Literally within a few words, his plan was was over. All they said was, <laughs> well, we'll tell that you impersonated a priest. And also they made a pun about like, you can fool a few papal, Frank, but you can't fool us, which <laughs> was, was quite cute and fun. Um, if it is going to be over quick, you know, if it's not going to drive mm-hmm. the episode, this is the kind of Frank foilage that I always love to see, that it's very easy to outsmart Frank. They don't even need to, like, scheme him. All they have to do is say, hey, how you got this information? That was illegal. So uh, <laughs> if you say something, we're going to get you. <laughs> yeah, I like that this is kind of relegated to a B-plot over very quickly because... I don't want to say it was getting boring, but I like the kind of transition out of Frank and Margaret having a regular army issue that's like overdramatic or whatever. Hawkeye and Trapper being the foil to that plan and just kind of like wrapping up in the end. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that we started getting a lot of that in season two. Like that was like basically every other episode. And then in this season, you're getting like a little bit less of that while it's still for sure present. I just think that the writers started being a little bit more dynamic and not sticking to that plot structure, um, which I have really appreciated in this season. Yes, they clearly are trying like different things to try to expand the way they tell stories in the show. And it's going to go on for so long that, of <laughs> course, they would have to. Um, and I always bring that up that the show is very long running. But you're a contender that the show is like good all the way through mm-hmm. and always kind of evolving itself. So I am, as always, very interested to see how the show changes once they kind of fully move away from these frank plot lines when we get like different characters that fill the antagonist role. Yeah, it's interesting too because this is kind of just an aside, but I can't really think of you know, like like I said, with the with the whole like plot structure of an episode being Frank and Margaret want to do something that the audience and Hawkeye and Trapper don't agree with. Hawkeye and Trapper are the foil and then it ends in Hawkeye and Trapper's favor. I can't think of like a safe structure like that in the next coming seasons, uh, really. So that to me is very interesting. I'm literally just thinking about this for the first time and yeah, so I'm excited to get to the rest of the seasons. Um, but there is one more thing about this scene or this plot with Frank when he was writing the letter to Father Mulcahy and he was talking to himself and he was making himself laugh. I actually really liked that because I thought it was really yes. cute. <laughs> that was really cute. I, I always say it, but like Larry Linville is almost too good of an actor for the character <laughs> of Frank Burns. They need really to give is. him more 
Because he is such, like, a cute, funny man when you give him the right material. And when he's trying to, like, figure stuff out on his own was very, very funny. I would love to see Larry Linville in just, like, a completely opposite role of Frank. Oh, my God. It would be... I bet he would just kill it because it would be so good and so funny. Absolutely. (laughs) So, let's get into kind of the falling action aspect of the episode. (laughs) Ooh, look at you, plot structure. Did you buy a screenwriting book recently? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, like we said before, Henry was very concerned about this lamb being gone. And I do just have to say that the line that McLean Stevenson delivers when he is like in kind of a panic mode is so funny. And I go—I was going to wait for lines, but I have to say it now because he says, I've got command on my tail and a hospital full of Greeks waiting on a lamb who's sitting on a plane on his way to Iowa to become Radar's little brother. How amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That was so quick. I don't think I fully registered that, but that is like a quality top 10 line, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I just loved it so much because you know how we had said uh, in previous episodes, Henry like sits on lines because he's like a dad. So he's telling dad jokes. (laughs) That felt very spontaneous of Henry. (laughs) So it was very, very funny. (laughs) That's great. There's a lot of good lines in that. I can't wait to to talk about the lines in this episode. Same, me too. I have so many. But Hawkeye and Trapper say, you know, Henry, don't worry about it. We're going to figure it out. Don't worry. And then the next scene is in the mess tent and everybody's celebrating and everybody has been clearly drinking a little bit. And the scene is just very fun. Like the Greek celebration of Easter is just very upbeat, very colorful, very fun. I really liked it. Um, Mm -hmm. and Hawkeye and Trapper bring out this lamb. (laughs) Made of spam, baby. (laughs) It's a spam lamb and it's shaped into a lamb. And that is like one of the only things that I remember from this episode, watching it as a kid, uh, was the spam lamb literally shaped to look like a lamb. So funny. (laughs) It looks disgusting. It's so gross. But also... (laughs) incredible one of one of the best jokes the show's done i think i just loved how henry just accepted it and apparently so did all of the greek people they were just like yeah sure okay i guess whatever because nobody like made a scene about it and everybody was dancing until the morning so it was very funny hey man sometimes you can't get your lamb chops and you're already like pretty (laughs) wasted so you just gotta roll with the punches my dude (laughs) (laughs) like i said this scene was so fun um i loved when one of the greek soldiers pulled frank onto the dance floor and he was just jumping up and down and dancing and stuff it was so funny yeah i love i love scenes like this i love the party scenes and this is one time that like we really get to see the party because a lot of times uh, when they're throwing a, a shindig or whatever, it's interrupted by, uh, like, wounded or, like, the mm-hmm. plot will come back in. But, like, this time, it was just like, and the end of the episode is a party that goes until dawn. Okay, everybody, see you next week. <laughs> I kind of like that they didn't get interrupted by wounded this time. It would have been very fitting for them to have gotten interrupted. But I like that they were just had this moment where, you know, they went through this really silly issue in the episode and then they were finally rewarded by being able to just like have a good night and have fun so i liked how it turned out 
Also, just have to say, there's no way that little baby lamb was feeding all those people. So honestly, Radar did that lamb a solid because he would have just gone to waste. Exactly. And I love Henry pulling in Radar while he's drunk and like calling him like a son of a gun and like a, you know, (laughs) all this stuff. It was just very uh, big dad energy Mm -hmm. for Radar and Henry at the end of this episode that like all is forgiven. And also like, ooh, I'm going to get you next time, buddy. Uh, (laughs) Love love to see it. (laughs) Yeah, it was super cute. I did really enjoy this episode. So... Do you have any favorite lines from this episode? Yes, I have a few, a few too many to say, but one that stuck out to me was when Frank was complaining to Henry about how apparently this Christian holiday was actually a pagan holiday. I don't know, whatever. And Frank says, today it's a lamb, tomorrow you'll sacrifice a virgin. And Henry just goes, in this camp? (laughs) She kind of confirms that our boy Radar uh, may or may not be a virgin anymore. you're right you're right (laughs) one other one that i thought was pretty like scandalous for tv was when i forget what the context was i think when they were just like bringing in the food for the easter celebration hawkeye says to radar the greeks created the oedipal complex that's where a boy likes his mother's cooking more than eating out i was like oh oh my god (laughs) i completely missed that one that one flew right over me yeah and i I feel like it might have flown over like a lot of the um, viewers potentially at the time because we did not have, you know, like instant replay in the 70s. And I had to rewind that one. I was like, did he just say what I think he just said? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I thought that that was really funny. And again, just a testament to the good writing of this episode. Yeah, dude, this one's packed. I wanted to shout out something that we don't tend to shout out in this show is the uh, PA announcement lines. I thought they were so funny in this episode. They were. That at the end of a PA announcement, the guy goes, and back to the Korean War, because you asked for it. And then another (laughs) one that was like totally just in the background, uh, blink and you miss it, was, Sergeant so-and-so, please report to the dentist tent. Your uppers have been ready for almost a week. Just like a (laughs) weird thing to put in the background. Yeah, like why was that there? (laughs) And then uh, one uh, Hawkeye line that I do want to shout out is that while Frank is trying to interrogate them about this uh, soldier who like wounded himself, he's like implying that they know and they're guilty. And Hawkeye's like, you need to be more specific. I'm so neurotic that you could say anything and there's a good chance that you'll hit guilt. Just very relatable to me. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Same. (laughs) I liked all of the lines with Hawkeye, Trapper, and Frank when they were saying like, oh yeah, if you turn this soldier in, we're going to turn you in, stuff like that. I thought that that was just jokes on jokes on jokes. Very good. Very good. (laughs) Very solid episode now that we're talking about it. I'm like, oh, actually, this is a a premium ep. Um, Yeah. So going from that, Do you have any trivia for us in this episode? I do. So I have some trivia about the Greek Expeditionary Forces or the GFE, which was the Greek UN troop forces in Korea during the Korean War. So Greece was the fifth largest troop contributor to the UN forces in the Korean War. Apparently, it was easy for the Greek forces to adjust to moving around Korea because of the mountainous terrains in their home country. So they just adapted to Korea very easily. 
pretty cool. The GFE was comprised of troops from both the Hellenic Army and the Hellenic Air Force. So the Greek soldiers provided support on both the ground and in the air. Very cool. The army unit of the GEF was called the Spartan Battalion and was led by, I'm going to pronounce his name so wrong, but it was Georgios Kumanikos. He was also a peace activist after the war. Very cool guy. So after relations deteriorated between Greece and Turkey, Greece pulled most of its troops out of Korea by 1955 to deal with that kind of conflict. And the Air Force unit received a U.S. presidential unit citation for its participation in evacuating U.S. Marines from the Battle of Chosen Reservoir in December 1950. Um, The Greek forces were very interested also in helping Korean civilians, and they were known specifically for helping Korean orphans. Um, This is thought to be because of the kidnappings of Greek children by communists during the Greek Civil War. And the GEF was also instrumental in preserving the Korean Orthodox Church during and after the war. Um, In 1970, South Korea put up a Greek war memorial and engraved the names of Greek soldiers who died during the war on it. And this movie called The Glory Brigade, um, it was made in 1953. It was an American film. It's about the Greek forces helping the Americans in the Korean War. Oh, that's very interesting. I've always enjoyed hearing about that because like you keep saying, we have not learned anything about the Korean War in school. So all this information is always so like, ah. This is a real event that real people were involved in and was a complicated time. So uh, always thanks for sharing. Yeah, of course. Like I always say, I had no idea. I didn't like, you know, very U.S. centric U.S. history, I guess. But yeah, I had no idea about this aspect of the Korean War either. So very cool. So I also have some other trivia about some of the guest stars in this episode. So Tito's Vandis played Colonel Andropolis, who was the Greek colonel who came and kicked off the whole lamb fiasco. (laughs) So Vandis began his career in Greek theater in the 1930s. He won an award for best actor for his work in a Greek film at the TIFF, which is an international film festival in Greece. Uh, Vandis moved to the U.S. when a dictatorship apparently took over in Greece. Um, I can't really find too many sources to confirm that, but it was stated in a couple of places that I saw. Vandis appeared in over 250 plays before making his Broadway debut in the Tony-nominated musical On a Clear Day You Can See Forever in 1965. I love old musicals with just crazy long titles. That's one of my favorite things. <laughs> They're always like, now it's just very short, quick titles. New York, New York, Hamilton, Phantom yeah, of the Opera. Exactly. <laughs> On a clear day, you can see forever. Like those, those things are not like the other. In 1972, he had a guest role in the Woody Allen film, Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask, speaking of oh, long titles. <laughs> that's the most Woody Allen sounding movie I've ever heard yeah. in my life. He also guest appeared in The Exorcist in 1973. So very, very awesome. For TV, Vandis had a recurring role in the detective show Beretta, and he also guest appeared in shows throughout the 70s and 80s, including The Mary Tyler Moore Show, The Odd Couple, Barney Miller, The A-Team, and our favorite, Trapper John M.D. Every person was on (laughs) Trapper John M.D. Oh, my God. Every time I do trivia, I specifically, like scroll through their imdb page to see if they were on trevor john md because i'm so so curious all the time (laughs) get ready for our sequel podcast we're gonna talk about (laughs) every single episode of trapper john md (laughs) in the year 2030 (laughs) 
And unfortunately, Bendis passed away in 2003. And this trivia that I did mostly focused on his, you know, American work. But he was very, very prolific in Greek, you know, theater, movies, TV. So he was very celebrated in his home country of Greece. That is very, very cool. We love hearing about all the international people. Yeah, I agree. And so I also have one more actor to talk about, too. So Theodore Teddy Eccles played Private Chapman in this episode. So Eccles was a child actor born in 1955. His best known roles were in the 1969 film My Side of the Mountain, where he played the starring role and the voice of Aaron in the Rankin-Bass Christmas special, The Little Drummer Boy, which is one of my personal favorites. A classic. Yeah. Um, Other acting credits for Eccles include Mr. Ed, The Munsters, and The Beverly Hillbillies. Um, Eccles retired from acting and is currently an executive producer at CBS. Imagine your boss being like a kid on the Munsters. That's that's a delight. (laughs) That's the goal. That's the dream. All right, Ethan. So I feel like we might have different martini ratings for this episode. What was yours? You know, I was going to say three out of five. I was feeling a three out of five just above the, the average But after our discussions and just how many good lines there were in this one, I'm feeling a 3.5. I'm feeling a strong 7 out of 10, baby. (laughs) I am right there with you. I also said 3.5. So, wow, we are, we're right there with each other. That's great. That's awesome. We love uh, consensus. (laughs) We love cohesion. So, just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Verapalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and, of course, our listeners. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 3, Episode 15, Bombed. But until then, eat a spam lamb for Orthodox Easter. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. My God, what the fuck was wrong with me in this one? Jeez. If you're still recording, that's going to be at the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there we go.